Well, hello, and welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. I am Jill, and I am excited to talk to you about a very specific thing today that I have not really addressed in the past. And it came about because I did a live uh, Facebook online event this week and realized, number one, I am very passionate about this subject. I had kind of forgotten. (laughs) And the other thing is, is, oh, by the way, it's part of my story, probably why I am passionate about it. And it is also something that like 70% of our population experiences, and that is divorce with children in a home. And so we're going to talk about some things today that even if you are not in the middle of a separation or divorced, I believe that there is a concept that I want to explain to you briefly that is applicable to many aspects of raising children. And oh, by the way, shameless plug, you need to be on my weekly flyer, as I call it, the Uplift Effect Weekly Flyer. It's an email that I send every Wednesday where I give an exclusive video just for you, for moms, and a written blog style type post. Well, this past week, I wrote about a very specific way in which this could apply, this content could apply to something that has nothing to do with divorce at all. And if we don't carefully walk through some of these moments with our children, we end up creating walls of division rather than bridges of communion with them. And what we know more than anything is that our relationship with our children is what really is going to determine how things turn out with them. We can't afford to dismiss them because we build up walls of disconnect. And so I want to help us avoid that. And since so many of our families go through separation and divorce and our children are greatly affected by that, and there is some concepts that we as parents miss, I did too, and these are some things that I think would serve us well. So let me do the the introduction that I haven't been doing recently, um, and I'll do that. I will meet you back on the other side, so give me just a second. I will see you on the flip side. Welcome to the Uplift Effect podcast. This is Jill, and I am the host and owner of the Uplift Effect Coaching and Consulting. I transform moms from and children from chaos to calm. That is my calling. It is what I love doing. And you are going to hear evidence of the two things that bring me to this podcast. First and probably most importantly, I am a mother of four children. And while they are not all tiny anymore, I have three teenagers at home, which, oh my goodness. And I have one uh, young adult that is in college. But the other thing is I come to this with a background uh, as a grief and trauma therapist and have spent years helping families in crisis. And if you're wondering about the V formation, the birds, the logo, head on back to the very first episode. It's a very cool story. It is well worth a listen and it will help this all make much more sense. I am on social media, Facebook and Instagram. You can find me there. I also have a YouTube channel. Maybe that's how you're listening. But if you would like more information and how to work with me more directly to transform your chaos to calm, 
You can DM me through those avenues. Thank you so much for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. Okay, hello, I am back. And I want to, first of all, state that I am getting these um, eight vulnerable moments that I'm going to give you from a book called Trauma Proofing Your Kids. It is a parent's guide for instilling confidence, joy, and resilience. It is written by Peter Levine and Maggie Klein. Peter Levine is a very well-known author. He's a PhD, very, very uh, known name in the healing of trauma work. And so I greatly respect him. I have most every book he has ever written and have learned a a lot through his studies, through his work, and just really think he does an excellent job. So I want to be sure I will um, tag that book in the show notes, but I want to be sure to give him credit because what I am going to do is expand on eight principles or eight vulnerable moments that he gives in his book um, under the section of separation, divorce, and death. So the reason why... um, Let me preface this. The reason why this is so important. Here's what happens in separation and divorce. I speak from personal experience on this. (laughs) I also have uh, friends that I have watched go through this. And I have also been a part of counseling environments and children that I have worked with over the years as a grief and trauma therapist that I have talked to to both the parents and the children, and I see this play out over and over again. We become, as parents, so entrenched in our own experience and our own emotions, our own circumstance, that oftentimes we fail to recognize that our children have a very, very different experience than what we're having. So basically what that is, is like my story and their story in the same situation within the home is very different. And if we are not careful, we can very easily miss some very vulnerable moments that could, if we're not tender with them, could leave a huge imprint something that could be very traumatic for our children because we were not sensitive to the fact that their experience was not the same as ours. I mean, the reality is our children are not getting divorced. It's the adults getting divorced. But do you know how many children tell me and refer to it as that? That it's as if they were getting divorced? So a small example When I was getting divorced now over 12 years ago, I came to a point where I felt a a sense of relief, but I had been working through this in the grieving for about a year. And so by the time I came to telling my children that their father and I was getting divorced, I felt a sense of relief. They had never heard this before. It was the first time they were hearing it. And now they were in the midst of grief. So while I am relieved, they are filled with grief. 
And as you can imagine, that is a potential for a disaster and huge disconnect. Because what they didn't see going on for the past year was that I was grieving the loss and the deterioration of my marriage. And so this is all new to them. I had already worked through a lot of that, but then had to go through it again with my kids from their perspective. So that is something that I think is really, really important because oftentimes by the time we get to the point that we are telling our children that their mom and dad is getting divorced, the decision the decision has already been made and the parents have already come through some of the process of the emotions and the child is hearing it for the first time. So that is an example of what I'm talking about, about how there can be such a huge disconnect. So here are the eight most vulnerable moments for children when their parents divorce. I'm going to list the eight and then I'm going to review them briefly. Number one, when you tell your child for the first time that mom and dad are getting divorced. Number two, when you tell your children that mom or dad will be moving out or has left and will not be coming back. Number three, when custody arrangements are being determined. Number four, when financial agreements are being hammered out. Number five, when your child begins living in a split world, mom's house, dad's house. Number six, when one or both parents start dating. Number seven, when one parent decides to move a long distance away, maybe even out of state. Number eight, when parents decide to remarry and a step family is created. Now, one thing I want to say, not all of these eight things may happen. In my situation, my children have not experienced all of these. I have not remarried. Twelve and a half years later, I have not remarried. My children have not had to have a step family. So they have not done that. But a lot of children, um, unfortunately, have to manage all of this in a very short period of time because their parents very quickly um, move into another stage of, of life after divorce. And so the children are expected to navigate a tremendous amount of change very, very quickly. So let's go back to the, the first one. Um, when you tell your child for the first time that you and their parent is getting divorced, they're the parent. One of the things that I want to say about this is that I have had a, a child tell me before that they were very taken back by the way they were told because they were told so flippantly. Um, almost as if it didn't really matter, as if they were just talking about the weather. And their feelings were really, really hurt because they were dismissed. Their experience in this divorce was dismissed as if it didn't matter to the child, when really the opposite is actually very true. It matters to the child tremendously. It's their entire life that's being turned upside down. So very easily, parents don't know what to say. They don't know how to have the conversation. And therefore, they take the path of least resistance and they kind of work in avoidance mode. Um, I have had uh, children uh, say that they weren't really actually given information. I've had parents say 
that they just thought their children would figure it out. All of those things leave room for a lot of confusion. The best thing to do is to actually have open, honest conversation, age-appropriate, with your children. One of the things that I get asked the most often is, well, what do I say? And you know, I can't give a, a uh, one answer for that because every circumstance is different. What I chose to say is that my relationship with their father was broken and not able to be fixed. And so we could be friends, but we couldn't be married. And so, um, of course, then reassuring them that that relationship is very different than a parent-child relationship. And we always love our children and we always are going to be parents to our children, but we don't always end up having relationships with other adults that work out. And so that's just what I did. I'm not saying that that is right or wrong, but I think that giving them some information is better than totally dismissing it. Number two, when a parent moves out and telling your child that a parent moves out, let me emphasize telling your child the parent is moving out and not coming back. So very often, this is where parents make an assumption that the child is going to just figure it out. And that's not true. Children always in their mind dream that the parents are getting back together. They fantasize that this is just a small moment in time. Maybe actually mom or dad had moved out previously, had been gone on an extended business trip for a period of time and came back and they don't recognize that this is different. So they romanticize that mom and dad are actually coming back to the house. It is really important to give our kids information as we know it. And and if we do not know it at the time, what we say to them is, at this time, this is what we know. And when we know more, you will be the first to know. We will be sure to tell you that um, dad is moving out and he is now living with grandma and grandpa, or he is now living with a friend, or he has his own place and where he's going to be. And keeping the child informed about where the other parent is And that they will be seeing them and when the next time is that they're going to see them and how that's going to work out. That's really, really important so that we just don't leave our children with a sense of abandonment. Number three and number four, I'm going to put together because um, I could camp out on these for a while. I think this is, um, these are really important and people will look at this list and they would dismiss three and four very easily. Number three is when... um, Custody arrangements are being determined. Number four is when financial agreements are being hammered out. Well, I'm putting them together because of this reason. I have had many adults tell me that their child didn't know anything about what was going on. And then once I talk to the child, comes out, the child knows word for word. (laughs) What? And could repeat back to me verbatim what was said. We think our children are not hearing our phone conversations, but I am here to tell you, moms and dads, they are. When their world is rocked and they their life is turned upside down, their senses become very in tuned. They become hypersensitive. And they are hearing things that we do not realize that they are hearing. 
Now, the problem with this is, is they're not hearing the other side of the conversation. They don't understand all of it and they're going to fill in the blank. And guess what they're going to fill in the blank with? Something that's very egocentric that must be about them that they caused. Here's the other thing is when the child is hearing a retelling or hearing the parents on the phone fighting or, or, or mom or dad talking to somebody else about it, what they are hearing is that the parents are fighting about the children, time with the children, how the custody arrangements and visitation are going to be worked out, and they, the children hear them fighting about the money over the children. And therefore, the children can confirm that I actually am the reason why this is happening because they're fighting over me. That is never, ever going to come out positive. We never want our children to hear a conversation and make an assumption like this. These have long-term consequences long-term trauma effects because the children can confirm that that actually is true because that's what they heard was that fighting. And it's very hard to convince them otherwise. So be very careful uh, about the conversations that you have over the phone and what you are saying about the other parent to the child around the children because this is can be very, very hurtful for them. Number five, uh, when your child begins to have split worlds and is now living at mom's house and living at dad's house. So the deal about this is that now we have all these rules that have changed. Mom gets to do things the way she has always wanted to do and maybe couldn't do. Dad gets to do things the way he always wanted to do and maybe didn't feel like he could do. Maybe one parent stays consistent with the way the rules had been always all along. The other parent doesn't. Maybe neither parent keeps it the way it was. All I know is, is that things change. The expectations change. Rules change. The dynamics of each home are then very different. And our children are expected to navigate very different home lives. They've never had that before. Something as simple as mom's rules over screen time versus dad's rules over screen time. Maybe one parent is very, very strict and the other parent feels really bad about everything that's happening and doesn't parent at all and basically has no rules. And when a child is flipping back and forth from those two homes, number one, the children very quickly figure out how to manipulate that situation to get their needs met, but it's also a really, really difficult thing to juggle back and forth. Where are my clothes? Oh, my clothes are still at mom's house. My suit is my swimsuit's over at dad's house. I left one thing over there. Oh, I'm living out of a suitcase and now I'm responsible for all of that. And dad's mad and mom's frustrated and my shoes are here and there and school and my homework and my backpack and all these things. That is a lot to ask of children. Now, there's not another option. We, I mean, if we're going to get divorced, there has to have this. But we've got to be very tender about the, the circumstance our children find themselves in. And oh, by the way, we've got to keep in mind 
that they are navigating something very difficult that they've not done before. And we are asking them to stretch with an elasticity that they may not have. Their coping skills may be tapped out by this point. So just be very mindful and very cautious. Number six, when one or both parents start dating, this is huge. Dating again is a very normal thing. Everybody chooses to handle that differently. Um, That is a really important uh, part of adult um, experiences. And we want to be in relationships with people. And there's nothing wrong with that. Timing is where the problem can often be. And how quickly that is introduced to children can also be a very, very difficult part of this. Here's something that I had a child tell me once. I don't even know who my mom is anymore. Like she's going out all the time. She's dressed up in ways I haven't seen her dressed up before. And that's not the mom I knew when my parents were married. Well, there's nothing wrong with what this mom was doing, I don't think at all. But it's very different for the child. They weren't used to seeing their mom and their dad having a social life because that had kind of deteriorated in the past year or so, most likely, when a divorce was taking place and separation. But here's the other thing about dating again. What very often can happen is that, let's just say, I'm going to pick on moms for a minute because I am a mom, so it's just a little easier for me to to use that as an example. But let's just say that the mom starts to date again and she really likes this guy. She brings this guy around the children. The children very often can be confused about how to navigate that relationship with this other man and still be loyal to their father. And it makes for some confusion of, can I still be loyal to my father and like this other person? And oftentimes, children say to me that they're not sure that they can, that those feel in conflict with each other. And so mom is frustrated because I'm having a hard time managing that and accepting this new person. But I feel like I'm being disloyal to my father by do, by liking this guy. And there is a whole host of emotions that go with that. And the and and that's I'm just using that as an example. The flip side is the same. Dad could be bringing um a another female around and and the child is struggling about how to feel about that and their mom. So it it it's not um always one way or the other. It happens on both sides. And the children are stuck in the middle trying to figure out, can I accept this new person into my life the way my parent is wanting me to and still be loyal to my biological parent? And what does that look like? And oh, by the way, what if that parent actually isn't happy about this? Well, now I'm really stuck. I can't mention that other person. And it just is very, very complicated. Now, I'm not saying that dating, um, again, is, is not the right thing to do. I did date again. I gave myself quite a bit of time, but I did date again. And I did not bring people around for quite some time for a lot of reasons. 
But dating again is is a healthy thing to do. And it can be very healthy to bring that around and very appropriate to bring that around the children at some point. But if it is not handled with a lot of care and really given special attention to how the children are receiving this and perceiving this and how they are feeling in the midst of this, it is going to be a bomb just waiting to go off. Oftentimes, those relationships don't end up working out if this is not taken care of very carefully. There's homework, in other words, that needs to be done on the back side of it before dating is really going to be successful. And not to mention the person that's then being dated is walking into all kinds of drama. I mean, that's hard. And I've been that person too. That is not easy. And I don't wish that on anybody. I have found that to be very, very complicated and have chosen to leave relationships because that was so volatile. So that is an important component of this experience. Number seven, when a parent moves out of state, obviously that is a very, very difficult thing to do. There's a lot of grieving that is involved. The children know they're not going to see that parent as often. And that can just be very, very difficult uh, emotionally to manage. I'm going to move on to the next one where um, a remarriage happens and a step family is created. Um, I do not know of a more complicated family dynamic than a blended family. And this is one that we have not breached in my home. I have not gotten remarried. And so my children have not had to manage that. And this has been intentional. Um, They are very complicated families and it's just a personal choice. I think families do this can do this very, very well. I have seen families do this very well. And I am always encouraged when I see the adults rise to the occasion to keep the children at the forefront of their mind and make them and their emotions and their experience and how they are managing this top priority. And I have seen some incredible stories of this working out very, very well. And I also have seen the opposite. So this is something that obviously has to be handled very carefully. And that could be a whole nother episode. But here's what I think really needs to be said about that. The success with a blended family has to do with time. Time has to be given to allow relationships to blend and mold and to merge. I once heard this example of a relation, these blended families of being in a pressure cooker or a crock pot. A pressure cooker is probably not going to work out very well. Blended families need a crock pot. They need time to simmer. They need time for for relationships to begin to merge and some experiences to kind of uh, be built and, and, and things to be navigated. Even if there aren't other children involved, there's all kinds of different uh, blended family circumstances, but they need time. 
And if there are children, other children involved, by all means, that can be a very complicated situation. And what it needs is time. And very often the adults get in a hurry and they forget that what children need is time. The relationships need time to blend. And so I hope that is a helpful uh, list of things. I think it's pretty comprehensive from beginning to end of, of this entire experience. Here are a few reminders that I have experienced personally. If I could go back um, to my previous early self 12 and a half years ago, some of these I think I did very well um, and, and some I, I wish I would have maybe given a little more attention to. Limiting the number of changes that we are expecting our children to navigate at any given time is huge. That is a universal situation not related to divorce. And that is why I chose to wait for a long extended period of time before I dated again because we did have a relocation and new schools and and all of this and my children were very young and so the number of changes that we are expecting them to accommodate well eventually they lose their elasticity particularly now in after having come through 2020 and now in 2021, as we are trying to navigate all of these different changes and really our coping skills are tapped out. Our ability to continue accepting change is just getting tapped out and children are experiencing that. So move forward with that in mind and be very cautious about the number of changes from their perspective that you are asking them to accommodate. The other thing is, is that to give stability, predictability, and consistency. As adults, we need that. And the, the, the quicker we can move into that as parents to provide that for our children, the better off everybody is going to be. And one last thing. I think it's episode number nine. I talked about making decisions out of a soul-starved situation. When we are in a deficit, when we are hurting, when we are grieving, when we are have been through a period of time where our needs have not been met, we are often making decisions out of desperation. We are making decisions out of a deficit emotionally. Typically, those end up not being our best decisions that we've ever made. Our decisions for our children and for ourselves are much better positioned when we have done the healing and the homework personally so that we are not looking for another relationship to help fill a need for us. That usually doesn't go well. We are much better off to spend the time to give our children the time to get ourselves, do our inner work and our healing so that another relationship can add to our life, but isn't needed in order for us to feel validated. And we are not needy in that relationship because that's going to be a recipe for disaster. And then that's another change our child is going to have to accommodate when that relationship doesn't work out. So, 
These are some things that I have found to be very, very true. They are mile markers. They are uh, very specific, vulnerable moments in children's lives that we as parents, if we would be particularly careful and recognize that our story and their story are often very different, And if we can join them and try to see it from their perspective and talk to them and build a bridge of communication with them, we will come out on the other side of this with minimal scarring and minimal wounding. And that's really what we want for everybody involved. I hope this has been helpful for you. If you would share this with somebody that you know needs to hear this information, that would be awesome. I don't get a penny for this podcast, so it has nothing to do with me making money because I don't make money on this podcast. I want to help serve families who are facing some of these circumstances. So if you will like it, subscribe to it, uh, make comments on whatever platform you're on, post it on your social media sites, that's helpful. But I will put in the show notes the areas and places that you can contact me where I hang out. You absolutely need to join my email list because I give free content, free coaching every Wednesday in email format. And that can be the best thing in your email, your inbox all week long. So make sure you join that. And I would love to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions, whatever, you can DM me through the social media sites. I will always answer you. I will also leave my email and you can contact me through that as well. So have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening to the Uplift Effect podcast. It means more than you know that you would spend your time listening to this information. And I hope that it has been helpful for you. Have a great rest of your day. You're all my favorites. Bye-bye.